Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 21 of season 2 of This Osteopathic Life. Today, I'll be talking about practice. And the piece that you heard, the opening notes alongside the introduction, are from artist Rachel Palin, a pianist, a musician who has played the music for the intro and outro of every episode, varying in theme every three episodes or so over these past 60. And our last episode, special episode, featured all of the tracks compiled. And this one she transmitted to me with the name Sharing Daily Practice. And what you note is some progressions, scales in nature. And what resonates with me is how important it is, even when you have natural talent, have a lifetime of experience, that practice is still a part of our daily lives. And this track will be featured in its entirety at the end of this episode. So please stay tuned as the words conclude and the music begins again. Practice is a word we use often in medicine and it comes up in various ways. Just the name you know, of the clinical space, this is my practice. The description of what we're doing, I'm practicing medicine, and thinking about why it is that we say that, what it means to be in practice when you're a professional, when you have achieved certain levels of proficiency. You think about the 10,000 hour rule that brings you to expert status, which is some of the intention behind residency training and the hours that are garnered during and some of the concerns people have with our limitations and what that means for proficiency experienced through the course of postgraduate training. But why call it practice? And there are different evidences, reasonings, history behind the utilization of that word, that phrasing. And it's not isolated to medicine. We see it in law, even in engineering and in architecture, and certainly in music as we're seeing here today. And the critical piece, I think, regarding the use of the word practice in regards to any of these specific areas, and also, as we're going to talk about today, and as always with this osteopathic life, in reference to health, the importance of continued engagement, continued work, continued attention, continued intention. We don't ever just arrive and stay. None of these things are really a destination in their own right. 
they are journeys, they are progressions, they are evolving, they are moving targets. We're seeing acutely in this time in medicine, the rapid evolution and availability of information relative to coronavirus and how that's forcing shifts in recommendations and practices, right? Practicing all the time. And it can seem like we're getting something wrong. You know, why didn't we know more about this? Why didn't we have clear and concise answers? And that can be frustrating if that's the expectation is that we will reach some fixed and finite place and period of knowing. But that's really and often not the case, right? And that's why we use the phrasing best practice because it's not only way to do things for sure, 100% full stop, right? That's not the phrasing. Best practice with the information that we have right now. And best practices shift. And sometimes they shift wildly. You know, sometimes they make 180 degree turns and we find out what we had been doing for best practice actually is the exact opposite of what we might have needed to do then, what we do need to do now based on current circumstances and available information. And that's not a matter of right or wrong. It's the nature of the evolution and it's the nature of the humanity involved in all of these. For example, who doesn't have to practice music? My player piano doesn't. The electronic keyboard that we have has a feature where you can press a button and the music comes out. And it is the same every time. The notes are accurate, the rhythms are appropriate. My kids love to sit there and pretend it's them playing. But that's a computer and it's programmed. And yes, there's probably some fallacy in there, right? There can be a glitch. The battery wears down. If the motherboard gets old or fried, it may not behave that way. But right now, without having to run any scales or practice any hard passages, the music comes out the same each and every time. But it also doesn't change in nuance. It can't adapt to the circumstances. It doesn't improvise the song. It doesn't provide any emotion. There's no humanity involved in that. And it's okay to have the methodical, robotic, predictable, reliable piece. Right? We want that in certain areas. And also having the humanity behind it, the capacity for nuance and emotion and interpretation and improvisation and contribution of a soulful aspect. That's really what we love about music. We have familiar melodies and beautiful symphonies and pieces that we know and we love because we know how they will be. Right? We know the sequencing of notes and themes that are going to present. But we also can appreciate them for how they come to be by whomever it is that's performing them. That time or that same performer in a different setting. You know, for me, watching Yo-Yo Ma over the years has been so powerful and seeing him play during this time and share in all different venues and he played the box suites in so many different locations all over the world. And I can only imagine how different, right, those common notes, common based on our knowledge and awareness of them for their frequency, not common by means of not profound and beautiful and amazing, how different they sounded coming from the same person and the same instrument and the same composer on these different days with these different acoustics with a varied audience in a certain setting. And this most proficient cellist 
plays his cello every day because he didn't reach proficiency and stop. Right? He didn't reach proficiency and say, I've arrived and that's it. You know, I'm there. He reached proficiency and continued, continued for maintenance because we can know days that pass between practicing and performing and engaging with an instrument, things fall away very quickly. Practicing for continuation, for growth, for love, for pleasure, for intentional relationship with the instrument, with the music, with his calling. And I'm not intending to speak for him, but speaking and reflecting of how I see and hear him presenting himself in the public arena. And I think about that in the practice of medicine. You don't just get your degree and you've arrived. You don't just finish residency training and you've arrived. You don't just practice for one year or 10 years and you're good. Right? There's constant learning. You have continuing medical education and they can seem laborious, but the intention is to keep us engaged with the practice of medicine. And some of the most effective physicians with whom I've worked are the ones who continue the learning out of that same space as these gifted and brilliant musicians of passion and love and learning out of choice, not out of obligation, learning from a place of how else can I express this gift? What nuance can I bring? What harmonies can I apply to the practice of medicine? What more can I learn? What might I understand differently that will change this knowing that each patient on each day, in each room, in any setting, has the opportunity for things to be heard, seen, felt differently. And it requires our continuous engagement and attention and intention in the practice of medicine to ensure our proficiency in practice. I think about this in reference to health. And what if we began to reframe our engagement with health as the practice of health? Not something at which we arrive and remain. We don't just climb to that peak and hunker down and stay forever. It is a moving target in the best possible way. It is open to reinterpretation and reinvention and new possibility. It allows for the humanity and the beauty of nuance. It invites us to continue to learn, to continue to redefine what proficiency in health can mean for us. It allows freedom for health to look different ways for different people and for that to be okay and to coexist. It means that our experience of health in one moment might be different to the next And it might mean that we don't need to change anything external, but shift our perspective. You know, how we perceive ourselves to be unhealthy on one day with reframing may actually be our fullest possible expression of health. And we can begin to shift how we see ourselves, how we engage with ourselves, how we approach ourselves. And from that space, there can actually be more room for evolution. And that can sound a little confounding, so let me dive a little deeper. Oftentimes, we want to make a change from a place of lack or frustration. 
or disappointment. Right? We might have a vision of health external to us, something we have seen, a person, a way of being, a practice in life. We think that is health and we want to get there. And that, that is okay. There's no problem with that. The problem enters in when we think arriving at that is what is going to make us enough, is what is going to bring us health. And you might pause here and think, no, we have very clear measures of what health is. But what I want to ask you is, do we? We have objective measures for normal blood pressure and normal blood sugar and cholesterol levels, which are sometimes debated. We have normal weight measures. So we have a number of objective, often numeric criteria that give us guidelines for what are appropriate physiologic metabolic states of being. But I would challenge you for a moment to think if any of those 100% equal health and perhaps health like things of the nature of value, worthiness, enough, actually is more subjective. And why that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Why it doesn't mean throw out all of these criteria and stop aiming for them and seeing their merits. No. You know, as a physician practicing medicine, I see the importance of bringing the body to a state of homeostasis and allostasis. And that involves numbers and it involves the human. And there are ways to engage this approach in a meaningful way that perhaps can grant some space for making changes if that's what's agreed upon as the next appropriate step in a way that is from a place of security and worthiness and self-love and health at each and every stage. If we find health to be somewhat open to interpretation, and I think we can agree upon that because if we close our eyes right now, if you're driving, don't close your eyes, but just imagine. Thinking of a healthy person and seeing who comes to mind and noticing that there might be one for you, there might be multiple for you. Think about healthy in a one-year-old. Think about healthy in a 10-year-old. Think about healthy in a 40-year-old. Think about healthy in an 80-year-old. They don't all look the same as each other. And there are certainly multiple examples at each level, at each age group within, right? There may be 10, 20, 100 different examples at each of those stages. What can it mean if you can think yourself healthy right now? If health is always available to you, if you cannot be separated from health, then what might it look like to practice health from a place like those physicians who are doing it for the intrigue and the possibility, not for the checkbox, the requirement, the minimum basic standard? What might it mean to practice health from a space of loving all that is right now, even if 
those numbers don't match the objective measures. Even if you don't look like that vision that came up for you when you closed your eyes at the age stage that most relates to you. Even if you feel like your definition of health and healthy is 180 degrees from the experience you're having in your life and in your body right now. What if, just for a moment, you saw health as this continuum, saw health as a bright blue ocean or lake. I'm more on the unsalted flavor myself. And you're a droplet in that large body of water and you can't be separated. Your health is part of the greater health. It is part of you. Some days the whole thing is murkier. Some days it's very clear. What if you could just see the beauty in the health of that whole system right now, just as it is with nothing changing? And just see, this is health. This is me in health. This is us together right now as we are. And it is okay. And if you so choose, if you seek that external vision of yourself, if you seek those different markers on the objective best practices, right, that your physician has outlined for and with you, seeking them from this place of, I already am with my health, and I'm choosing to make adjustments to optimize these external factors. How does that feel different versus if I can't get to these, I need to get to these in order to be healthy, in order to experience health. If I don't look like that person, I'm not healthy. When I look like that person, I will be. What if you don't get there? Does that mean health is never available to you? How does that feel? If you do get there, is health suddenly granted? But is it temporary and tenuous? Just like the musician has to keep practicing. We have to keep engaging with our health. It is an intentional relationship. It has come to me that we have this opportunity for a renewable contract in such an interesting way because we are inseparable from our health. But in that example, in the water, in that integration, we could potentially evaporate out, right? So let's stay immersed. Let's stay solvent in solution with the health and see that it takes our continuing to show up and our attention and our intention in the process. And how might it feel from that place of passion and curiosity and wonder and gratitude for the opportunity recognizing that you experience it as well as you can right now and you're choosing to re-engage and recommit and relearn to learn anew to see how to provide nuance at all stages like the savant musician who still shows up to the practice room or their studio every day like the 40 years in practice physician who's an expert in their field who still reads articles and books and inquires with patients in new ways from that place of passion and curiosity. 
can we apply that same practice to our health? How might that look? How might it look if you are at the place, if you are the vision, if you close your eyes and you vision yourself as healthy? How might it feel to recommit to yourself and be able to stay where you are if that's of your choosing? To be able to imagine beyond, right? Perhaps you've achieved the pinnacle of what you know health to be. Does it have to be the end? Does it have to be a finish line? Does it have to be a limit? Or can you now imagine beyond, not to make you feel better, to make you feel healthier, but simply because it's exciting to think, well, I got here and I always thought that was this really far off finish line, but I've arrived and I have so much more to do and to give and to wonder and to explore. How might that look? And let's visit some definitions of practice, which a fascinating word. And I hope you enjoy the exploration of words as much as I do. And if you don't, that's okay. But I'm going to continue to share them because I think it always offers opportunity for us to see something perhaps in a way different than we did initially. So practice, the actual application or use of an idea, belief, or method, as opposed to theories relating to it. And today, we've talked a lot about music and medicine and health. What is the actual application of health? How does that look? What a fascinating definition to frame it through the practice of health, as opposed to theories relating to it. Right, so we see these numbers and they have more kind of grip, grasp, ground than just a theory. There are reasons that we are seeking to achieve them. But what can it feel like to actually apply health to yourself, to any situation, to your life, to your relationships? I mean, application of health opens up a whole nother way of exploring. Another definition, the customary, habitual, or expected procedure or way of doing something. And this may lend itself into those visions, right? Best practices in a way. Expected is so interesting because who gets to decide what's expected? What is the expected way of doing health, of practicing health? Who gets to say Who do you want to say for you? And it should include you. It might include others. You know, being open to the ideas of others can be really powerful because sometimes we're limited by our own experience or the knowledge that we have and even our own imaginings. And so if you see someone else, you have a conversation with someone else, perhaps they will expand for you what the possibilities of health can look like. To perform an activity, or exercise a skill repeatedly or regularly in order to improve or maintain one's proficiency. And this is what we're seeing with the intent behind the practice of music and the practice of medicine and the practicing that is involved. What about with health? To perform the activity of health or exercise the skill of health repeatedly or regularly in order to improve or maintain one's proficiency of health. What can it mean to be proficient in health? And what might you maintain? How can you improve? What are the activities or exercises or skills 
you're engaging with on a regular basis that are helping you in those ways. To carry out or perform a particular activity, method, or custom habitually or regularly. And we can see that there are so many recommendations, some wildly divergent. If we just think about food and its relationship to health, and right now you could think of 10 different recommendations for ideal diets. Why are there so many? Because there are so many of us, right? And there are nuances in how our bodies respond in the seasons and the circumstance of the time. And it is okay. And it is okay to experiment and listen for your response. It is okay to follow a certain paradigm and listen for the feedback from your body. You know, but doing so with intention is so much different than doing so from a closed space of because someone told me so, because someone said this was the objective measure. To actively pursue or be engaged in blank. This says a particular profession or occupation. Plus think about that, to actively pursue or be engaged in health. And I prefer the latter of these two because pursuing health suggests that it is totally external to us, totally something that we have to reach for that eludes us, that we might not ever get to. But to be engaged in health allows us to be in health in any way that we are. And that looks different on different days. That looks different in different years of our lives, in different seasons. We're met with various challenges externally and internally. We have diagnoses of various diseases. And does that mean the health is gone? Are we just engaged with it differently? And that's why I love that vision of the water and our droplet in there. And there can be toxic patterns in the water from time to time and different currents and ways of being, but there's no separation. We are still in and of the health. And there can be greater ways of clarity, you know, more brilliant colors on certain days and times. But it's not to be taken away from us. And it's not this finish line to be sought after and achieved. But we get to decide how deeply and thoughtfully and intentionally we engage with the health on every given day. And this last one, observe the teaching and rules of, and this refers to a particular religion. And I'm not looking for health to be a religion but observing the teaching and rules. And I like the observing and the teaching in this one. And the beauty here is we can listen and engage in certain ways with these phrasings and concepts. So observe the teaching of health. And that can make you think of those external measures, and that's okay, right? There's much to be gained from the experience in the modern medical world, in alternative healing paradigms, but also observing the teaching of your health, the teaching of your own experience, the teaching of your own practice with health and what feedback it's giving you. And when we can really be open to that as an observer, as a participant, and see that we have opportunity to continue engaging in the way that works 
for us that might be encouraging to others around us. And we can't know or control that, but we can offer our experience and others can do with that what they will to be in a state of realization that we are health. We are with health. We are of health. We are simply health. And when it looks different than we might have imagined it to be, we can choose to change our thought about health and reframe so that how it is right now with us is the fullest expression of health. Or if we do seek an alternative result, recognize that that's of our choosing and move there still from that place of love and acceptance and awareness of the health within the health outside in that continuum between. And yes, move there. Move toward that weight if that what helps motivate you. Move toward that body type and muscle mass distribution. Move toward that level of activity tolerance. Move toward that glycemic control so you can reduce the need for any external medications. Move toward those measures that will help you, again, reduce external medication need and reduce risks of chronic systemic diseases in your body, but from a place of love and from a place of knowing that you are still enough and valuable and worthy and healthy all along the way. And you can continue to engage in that nuance as you will throughout the process. Remembering too that In the grand scheme of things, in the observation of human life, in the bodily form, there is a beginning and an end. And we have expected and appropriate timelines that we anticipate and certainly wanting to extend that as long as possible is okay. But also knowing that death is not a violation of health. It is simply part of the human process. And loving ourselves and honoring our health, even up to and through that point, can make significant difference. And so I encourage you to consider what practice can mean, how you are practicing in all the places of your life, and how you're practicing health with and for yourself. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening. Following is the piece.